1: Good evening, folks. Yo, we're back. Sands West.
2: Sands West. West is in, uh, in yeah. Mexico. Mexico.
1: Undisclosed Mexico. location.
2: Oh, okay. Somewhere down there, yeah. Somewhere. In the, yeah. In aldani
1: <laughs> Somewhere. <laughs> but Excellent. tonight we're unpacking uh, Andor episode six, the eye oh, And yeah. even though he's away, he did send us some clips, so he will be here with us in spirit.
2: Excellent. I hope he's dressed like a force ghost.
1: Well, he's technically, I don't know if he's fully clothed, but he's at least in a pool. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> so pa- he's Paul wearing uses a, a the yeah, There you go. Um, opening thoughts on this one. What did you think?
2: Oh, so definitely the best uh, one so far. Uh, I can really see where they're, they're building up in like, you know, three episode arcs and then crescendoing for these little acts in between. And, um, I mean, they, they did some things with tension in this episode and we'll get there organically, but they did some things with tension at the end that I haven't felt, uh, since like, say the trench run, you know, like they managed to pull off that feeling without it being another trench run or something derivative of, of, of that, you know, the, the way the Starkiller base feels super derivative of, uh. Of the, of the trench run and and even the the last Jedi walkers. I know they're, they're they're supposed to be rhyming stanzas, but they they just feel more derivative. And this, you know, what you want ideally is those feelings that are associated with that, with something fresh and visual. And we certainly uh, that got knocked right out of the ballpark this this week.
1: Yeah, uh, I can't get over how fast they were cutting back and forth in this episode. Like, it shifts mm. gears constantly, but not in a manner that kind of drags you out of it. It's like you're getting, with each tick of the clock, the whole story all at once.
2: Yeah, nice rapid uh, fire storytelling. And uh, yeah. nice little pauses, too, in the middle of it to, like, just ground you in the humanness of all the characters, too. Just suddenly they're all, you know, pause in the action. Let's talk about our feelings for a second, but not in any way that yeah. it felt like. Oh, they're talking about their feelings, you know, like, yeah,
1: just, it just wasn't a slowdown.
2: Yeah, real organic stuff. Really well yeah. written. I have to admit, really well written.
1: Yeah. Uh, we do have Wes's first postcard, which is applicable here. So let's run that. All right, Wes.
3: Hey, what's up, guys? It's uh, Wes here for Fandom Power. It's a uh, quiet afternoon here in uh, vacation land at my undisclosed location here somewhere in the Caribbean. Um, I wanted to leave some thoughts about, uh, the, the latest episode of Andor. It's, uh, the eye, uh, we're at the halfway point of the series now. And we've, uh, it's taken us this long to get to the heist and man, they pulled it off. Um, I don't think there was any surprise there that they weren't going to pull it off. I think it's surprising at the, uh, um, the, the casualties sustained during this one. i mentioned last week we didn't really know uh, the motivations for everybody, which I found really interesting that we got a, a couple more uh, uh, this time. Uh, we learned that Terriman was a stormtrooper. Um, sorry, Finn, uh, you are not the first uh, stormtrooper turned rebel. Um, so that was cool. And then uh, Cinta, Cinta being uh, her entire family, of course, uh, slaughtered by stormtroopers, so interesting art for her especially when we get that uh that confirmation uh you know Skeen gave us a line last week that said you know she was kind of the hardest coldest might be the toughest one there and she proves that in spades when she uh, point blank straight up murders the uh the imperial engineer uh um, colonel oh my lord can't think of his name pedigree Pettig- pedigard colonel Pettigard. Colonel doesn't matter because uh, he's no more. <laughs>
1: <laughs> there you go. We'll check in with Wes again a little bit later, but uh, for now, should we get to it? Let's do it. All right. So uh, this week's episode is titled "The Eye," has a okay. runtime of fifty-four minutes with intros and credits, or around. 44 minutes and 40 seconds without. Uh, Susanna White is back in the director's chair again this week. And Dan Gilroy is also returning as writer.
2: Fantastic. They keep getting longer and uh, feeling shorter, if that makes sense. It does.
1: It really does. Uh, we open this week's episode on a moody-looking Cassian, and he's sitting near the rest of the team atop the fog-covered hill. Uh Nemec pours out two cups of what we can probably assume is calf or maybe a variation on that goat milk that he tried to feed him last time. <laughs> but uh, he brings one over to Cassian and he pauses a moment, but he accepts it. And Nemec, he takes a seat next to him and relays, you know, I couldn't sleep. And Cassian tells him, you know, don't worry, that's natural. But he insists, you know, I got to be at my best. And Cassian, you know, he reassures him, like, once the excitement kicks in, you'll be good, good to go. And uh, Nemec he goes on to ask, you know, why won't my faith help me with this? Like it won't help calm me. And he looks Mm -hmm. at uh, Cassian and he's like, you know, I can't sleep. Well, you, you're like sleeping on a sleeping like a rock, and you don't believe in anything. Figuring, you know, just mercenary dude, right? Right. But uh, Nemec goes on to tells him, you know, when I can't sleep, I write. And last night I wrote about you. Well, not you specifically but like the use of, uh, or the role of mercenaries in the galactic struggle for freedom. It's awesome. And uh, his conclusion is simple. The empire has no moral boundaries. So the rebellion must use whatever assets or tools they have at their disposal and let them see how an insurgency insurgency? adapts. Sorry.
2: Yeah, this (laughs) is an excellent example of that. Like sort of like when you get... um... A veteran and a rookie and you get it in uh, uh, certainly in real life in the military but you also get it it's it's that um war movie trope or that uh the cop uh sort of under siege trope but it's it's it works perfectly because while nimic thinks that it's faith-based uh you know his nerves and stuff it, it's not a lack of faith it's 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 a lack of experience uh, yeah no faith no faith doesn't necessarily preclude, preclude nerves or no nerves but certainly uh this is not not gassian's first op like no you know, he it might be his first heist in terms of this but he's definitely uh played this game many many times before uh yeah. might even be the coolest uh sort of head of the lot when you uh you know several times several of the characters in this episode almost flat panic
1: Yeah, yeah, we see that on a few of them. Um, But here, Cassian, he tells Namek, you're half right. And uh, he goes on to say that the Empire doesn't play by the rules. And Namek, he questions him, well, what do you mean I'm half wrong? And uh, he says, the Empire doesn't care to learn. And he says, you know, what do you mean? And he's like, they don't have to. They don't care about people like you you don't yeah. matter to them no that's the, that's yeah. the
2: stark reality that the machine is so that, big
1: that uh, one little person doesn't matter in the grand scheme to they, them. they they can't
2: and it's just like the line from the trailer they uh, or even the I think it was the third episode um they can't conceive of a of a you know of a snub fighter blowing up an exhaust
1: port <laughs> they it doesn't yeah. even
2: enter the radar yeah uh, why would it, why would that be
1: a threat to this machine yeah and uh mickey goes on to say you know maybe they'll think differently tomorrow after everything happens and cassie and he's like be careful what you wish for <laughs> and yeah uh, do you Namek think that
2: meant like, that like cuz you go on a list like you know what i mean know. like if you're if you suddenly are a successful rebel suddenly you know you're Harrison Dula and throne yeah. knows exactly who you are and studies you yeah so rather yeah. than you know like casting who's who's a nobody completely under the radar what yeah. if it speaks to that
1: I think so like Nemec not knowing exactly what's going to happen thinking you know maybe they'll take me seriously once we do this type thing mm. but it's like you don't want them that you don't want that target mm-hmm. on yeah. you no, no no no
2: not not individually for sure
1: no but uh Nemec questions Clem if he thinks it's all hopeless that they should just you know sit back and accept what's being given to them and, uh, be thankful for it. And Cassie, and he leans in real close. He says, do I look thankful? <laughs> he's like, No, but I'm glad you're here all the same. So Cassie, and once again, he tells him, you know, don't worry, assuring him you'll be fine and you'll be able to sleep when it's done. But, uh, is it the sleep that he thinks he's going to get? No, no. Uh, also to point out here, uh, Nemec, our boy here is, uh, wearing the red hat unfortunately well there you go i, I don't know if that's a really... nod or
2: or not it might but... it might be it, it certainly it
1: works yep but uh over at the garrison uh we see troops stand and watch on an outpost and we hear a voice uh voiceover coming from Com- uh, commandant Jehold hold and he's in the middle of explaining to uh to uh, Colonel Pedigar, that uh, you know the whole situation with the Aldani people, and he goes on to tell them that they've made great progress in controlling them by offering them choices, which in the end are things they didn't ask for in the beginning. And we intercut with scenes of of the Aldani people making their way to the temple, mm. and uh, the commandant. He goes further, telling them, you know, there used to be upwards of fifteen thousand of them that would make the trek. But, uh, after last night's count, he turns around and asks, uh, Lieutenant Gorn and he tells him we're down to around 60. he's like, well, how did you manage that? And they're like, well, you know, we offer them transports knowing they won't accept. And then we also put together comfort zones along the way that have, you know, cheap price drink or local food and kind of luring them away from this, you know, journey
2: right so in, in much in the same way west had spoken uh, about the the military drill and and um the realism of some of that stuff speaking to him i i had to i had to say that that this scene um i've never i've never had like a hate for the empire before aside from the fact that they were the bad guys and you know uh you know, there's cool factor. Darth Vader's cool and stuff, and the story's all cool. He grew up with it, and so they're the bad guys, and you vilify them. But I never, I never found myself going, "Wow, these this is just like this doctrine, factor. right?" Yeah, and 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 being a, a native man, and and um, you know, like just having them like the way they talk about they they're bred with a certain set of traits that make them amenable to coercion. Uh, yeah. You know when they when they're when they're subtly saying we set up, you know, ch- cheap cheap uh libations what they're saying is like they they set these you know basically alcohol and drug traps just like they do on reservations i might be yeah. political pardon me but nothing um nothing really ever in star wars has ever sort of grabbed my heartstrings like that and made me go oh yeah let's let's kill these nazis yeah <laughs> yeah
1: yeah, but uh, when Colonel Pettigar asks if uh, they know, do they know this is the last year that they're going to be able to access this temple, mm. uh, because he confidently replies, no, it shouldn't be a problem. We spent the last 10 years setting up an imperial viewing ceremony further down, and they'll have to be happy with that. Uh, and uh, if they should so return...
2: Much colonization overtones, it's... it's- yeah."
1: wow and this next part is dark as hell though because he says if they should return you're going to need the arms and legs for what you have planned to build
2: Mm. so yeah and then and that's where we see that you know the that uh the colonizing and slave mentality you use the uh the weak as your workforce and strong as your military and uh
1: yeah wow Pedagor. He turns around and asks Lieutenant Gorn his thoughts on uh, if the Eldani people will let them build peacefully. Apparently, my volume is low. <laughs> try turning that up a bit. Sure. Um. I've just been handed a note. <laughs>
2: this just in.
1: <laughs> uh silver screen Wes has chimed in with our first comment here tonight uh where is it he here Hudson's Bay company anyone
2: oh I know I know and and honestly West when Lauren Lauren did my my ancestry and uh when uh you know certain things about my past were discovered my 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 actual parentage and stuff and um that's exactly where my ancestors came into the country uh, as uh you know half of them working for the hudson's bay company or fur traders of that of that ilk and and the other half being you know like uh consorts if you will like literally uh a gift from the company so that you would have a guide and a wife and, a, and uh and someone to to uh Provide for you while you, you know, so you didn't freeze to death trying to do your job as a fur trapper. So, yeah, that the, uh, those overtones totally not lost on me. Uh, it's, it's, um, it's scary and real. It, it makes it real. It's, it's, I, not that stormtroopers marching through towns and shooting up aliens and stuff was never real before, but this is such a level of realism, um, such a, a grounded version of, of uh totalitarianism and uh and that it's it's it, re- it really 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 makes me uh, uh one root for the rebels.
1: Yeah. Um Petigar, he turns and asks Lieutenant Gorn his thoughts as uh you know, do you think they'll let us build peacefully? And he says, you know, I've been 7 years here now and it doesn't really seem like they have a choice. Mm. so uh you know his thoughts on it already because we've seen the background info but uh b has interjects telling the colonel that the eye is quite the celestial event and uh, he replies you know i'm looking forward to seeing it and with that the two men face out the window and finish off whatever drink they happen to be drinking
2: (laughs) the the in unison thing like i I, yeah it didn't really come off campy it came off like uh yeah it it worked really well how smug they are and and yeah, and how
1: uh, meanwhile he's ashore. back there just kind of stewing. Well,
2: he's never even lying either. You notice that about Gorn, he's telling the truth, he's just yeah. telling it in a uh he's painting way it that so that they, right, exactly. So it he's it not sounds just, proper like, to them. Right, bull, bull face lying. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah.
1: Uh let's see here. Our uh our commandant is played by Stanley Townsend. So, unfortunately, it's not a young version of Carson Tava, as Wes had speculated in the trailer breakdown. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But uh, Stanley here, he's done a variety of roles, a wide variety of films, such as Mystics, The Libertine, and a ton of voice work for video games, such as World of Warcraft, Cars 2, and Mass Effect Andromeda. Crazy. Yeah. Uh, Colonel Pettigar, on the other hand, is played by Richard Katz who you may know from roles in Rome, uh, Enigma, or as the one-legged prisoner in Guardians of the Galaxy. Nice. So, Rocket, go and get that leg.
2: <laughs> rocket, go and get that leg. Uh,
1: later on, we find uh, the Commandant and uh, Holy crap, what happened here? There we go. Uh the commandant and lieutenant gorn exit the base and uh, he leans in and says, you know, what's your take on him? And gorn says, you're not going to sweet talk him, he's an engineer. And uh, the commandant's like, well, not for lack of trying. But then uh he says, you know, is everything good for tonight? And he says, yes. And uh, he says, it needs to be perfect. And again, he yells at him, perfect. Let that word ring in your ears. Yeah, yeah. And uh, then he walks off to do something, but, uh, we catch up with, uh, with, uh, the rebels. <laughs> yeah, the rebels, uh, we catch up with Terraman and he's on a radio sending out a signal echo one. Oh, I love it. Yeah. This call sign is not new. It's been used before. Uh, Evelyn Yob, a pilot in the Dubu star system. Hmm. For the space fighter corpse uh, served as echo one prior to the invasion of naboo oh wow uh, she, yeah she first appeared in the short story the starfighter trap which was in star wars gamer magazine issue one
2: wow that's a nice grab that's a deep cut
1: yeah uh not receiving a response nemic suggests you know go up 10 like i guess they're cycling through channels or something that's awesome. Yeah.
2: Old tech, like tech that we can relate to. You know, suddenly we're yeah. at that sort of Battlestar Galactica level of realism, you know, yeah. where there's a phone on the wall of a starship.
1: <laughs> I love it. Uh, Cassie and he asks, you know, is it broken? And uh, Nemec says, no, no, it's a field comm, it's just a battle radio. And he says, you know, it looks kind of imperial, but Skeen, he bluntly states, not anymore. Mm. And uh, still not getting a response. Nemec tells him you know go up three more And when Cassian again asks if it's Working Nemec tells him once It locks on it'll continue to work Long after we fry the place Nice but uh, Both Nemec and Tamarin and they're standing there and they give a smile And finally the answer comes through Valley one We cut across the lake and we Find a little rock outcropping I guess mm. And uh Inside we find Val and Sinta And with their transmission of Valley 1 Confirmed both them and the Echo team locked the signal And they wish each other safe travels And you know Off on their next phase of the mission The rebel men they take Down the mountain in their uh, Eldoni disguises And uh, Skeen he kind of falls behind With Cassian and uh, Cassian remarks you know tamarin he likes giving orders doesn't he and uh Skeen says you don't know and he says what that uh terriman used to be a stormtrooper right oh and then he says well you should have been here when uh, cinta found out because they slaughtered her whole family
2: crazy that's so (laughs) what what a dynamic to just like you know and that's what I meant earlier when I said, like, they, they pause for moments to just get real human and not pull you out of the story to do it, you know, where they're having yeah. like they're sharing feelings and conversation and it feels organic. And so now I guess we have sort of uh, uh, Finn's spiritual uh, ancestor. Yeah. And, and I, I couldn't help but thinking to myself, have I ever heard a stormtrooper with a British accent? And, and I, hmm. I, I can't nail one down, like not, not in canon at any rate, like not on screen in a live-action property. And yeah. uh, I, I need somebody to put that filter over his voice for me just so I can hear it.
1: <laughs> but uh, he turns around, he sees them kind of gabbing, and he barks again at them, you know, hurry up. And I get the impression that maybe he was like a higher-ranking stormtrooper. Right, yeah, exactly. Because he's like right at home giving orders.
2: Yeah, fully. Yeah, and I mean, you know, you get that sense that the average stormtrooper is telling the citizens, "Move along, move along, get moving." Yeah. But he's he's like, he's a Tighten leader. Up. He's out to, right. He's definitely got uh, command training, uh, squad yeah. training.
1: Yeah. Uh, back at the rocks, we find Valen Sinta. They unbundle a torpedo-like device, and it basically looks like a repainted underwater scooter yeah yeah totally yeah and as uh one of the first visible signs of the eye streaks overhead uh it's pretty loud too like not just a quiet little thing Mm. um on the garrison we find that uh colonel pettigraw he's out there looking through a survey scope trying to catch a glimpse of the same thing and uh, when lieutenant gorn comes down he says you know has it started and gore tells him that. the locals believe it never ends, so yes, it has started,
2: yeah, again, with the you know uh the honesty, the veiled honesty, it's fantastic, yeah, yeah.
1: and I like and, I like Gorn a
2: lot, actually,
1: yeah, little by little, he reveals like he knows so much about the Aldani people, right that, right uh, like the commandant can't even be bothered to learn no, yeah. kind of echoing what uh Cassian told nemic earlier, right. Uh, Over the comms, one of the outlying corporals from the low-road unit radios in. The guests are starting to arrive, and Gorn instructs him, uh, you know, they should have a peaceful welcome. And the corporal acknowledges this, and the Donnies begin to pass through the station troops. Uh, As the pilgrims continue their journey, we get a voiceover from Tamarin, telling the other ones to tighten up. And remember, the locals hate Imperials. And they're not to engage. If they meet other troops, they'll be from Alkenzie. But if they meet people from Alkenzie, they'll be from the garrison.
2: Yeah, they're in lies the rub. That's perfect. Yeah. Actually, yeah, they're in lies the oh. rub. That's really yeah. good.
1: Now fully decked out in their imperial disguises, they wait for the Aldanis to pass by.
2: Essentially the mud trooper uniforms minus the helmets and the capes, eh? Yeah, really. Yeah.
1: But uh, back at the reservoir hideout, Val and Cinta they're making last minute preparations when Cinta stops her, and you look through the rock, and there's like a little squad of troops walking up, mm. and quickly and quietly they push back against the rocks, and uh, we cut again back over to the pass where now the Aldanis are passing through the rebel troops in disguise. Do you get the the sense that
2: one of these soldiers was a uh taking a pee here yes i did i got yeah. that very much so did uh, i so now we have sort of brought another uh, you know we've got we've got hard swearing we've got sex scenes we've got we've got um uh, um uh you know the the child getting shot and stuff and and and, yep. and smoking and now we have uh you know it's it's very public humid. urination right public urination um it's, it's, and it's, it's, it doesn't bother me as much as it was before because now I, I guess I've, I've gotten a flavor for what they're going for. Yeah. And, uh, there is a thing in this episode that drove me around the band, and we'll get there shortly, actually.
1: <laughs> All right. But, uh, back at the reservoir, one of these troops splits off from the group and edges closer to the rock. And you'd think he you would notice two people sitting in there, but instead, you know, mm-hmm. uh, he just, kind of begins to relieve himself next to their position <laughs> and
2: exactly the look on yes. their
1: faces is priceless it's like oh yeah
2: yeah uh, and they just keep finding ways to make these guys feel more like scumbags and more like scumbags yeah
1: yeah so the two women they swap a tense look and then uh, the soldiers hoot that here comes another one and we get another meteorite striking by and uh we cut back again real quick to the valley floor and uh this one catches Skeen's eye and Mm -hmm. he breaks his silence he's like oh look at that
2: yeah i mean it's got to be quite they do a good job of 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 letting you know like even early on like this is nothing yet it hasn't gotten dark yet yeah it's uh everybody can't help but notice you know
1: yeah it's so pretty good at like staying very steely faced yes he is uh, quickly cutting back on the valley floor, he breaks a silence when he catches a streak. But then we cut back again over to the rocks, and uh, none the wiser. The soldier he decides to head back to base with the rest of them, so they go completely undetected. And our four male rebels they just kind of fall in step behind the Eldani people, mm-hmm. continuing to escort them up the uh, up the pathway. Um, I should point out here that the advice from uh, last week has kind of been abandoned. <laughs> where they, uh, yeah. they're holding their rifles just you know every which way but uh... yeah
2: there's a point i don't know if you caught it i mentioned it in the chat though they snapped to attention in one scene i couldn't tell you exactly which scene it is but uh i think it's terraman and cast they bang rifle uh not like uh, tips of their rifle barrels <laughs> they actually <laughs> they actually make contact in a scene <laughs> when they i was like wow that's some sloppy some sloppy uh parade boys <laughs> you yep. know
1: Back inside the uh, garrison, the commandant is struggling with his belt and uh, we see him fiddling with it in front of his mirror. And he calls over to his wife, Robota, who is currently dressing their son, Leonard. Mm. And uh, he postures that my uniform was stored incorrectly. It's all compressed. Right. And she looks at him like, maybe you've expanded a little bit.
2: Right. And again, uh, you know, just hammering home the fact that like, you know even if they were soldiers at one point the these the the, the brass has grown fat yeah. and um and you know like not just physically but you know like even yeah mentally like the, they the, there's <laughs> there's no threat to them they, they there's no reason for them to just not walk around like they own the entire yeah. galaxy yeah
1: but uh looking at his son he kind of brushes past his wife and says you know where's your imperial blouse And the son's like, I'm not wearing that. And uh, he's like, you'll do what you're told. But then he's like, mom, I don't feel so good. And she takes his temperature and he looks at her. He's like, he's always sick. Why is he always sick? And uh, then he plays it up. Look, you're the one that wants to get transferred out of this place. If you want it to happen, it's going to be Colonel Pettigrew that makes it happen. Mm -hmm. So everything has to be Perfect. And for one night you can suck it up and do this mm. so uh he turns to attend to his uniform and robota she gives a little kiss to his head like kind of feels like it's them against him at this point
2: yeah and he yeah. I, he makes a comment here where he's like you'll feel the back of my hand
1: yeah yeah so he's not above uh giving the a smack. right yeah yeah uh Let's see here. Uh, the role of Robota Beezas is played by Michelle Duncan. Uh, she has the role of False Marissa in the Amazon Prime original Hannah. Mm-hmm. She played Shelly Stern in Bohemian Rhapsody. Okay. And the wife in a short film titled, get this one, uh, Sucking is a Fine Quality in Women and Vacuum Cleaners. <laughs>
2: that's a good wow yeah
1: that one's directed by nina bradley just a little short film that off camera i guess (laughs) that that,
2: that feels like a trap (laughs) (laughs) might be uh
1: our little leonard b has though is played by alfie todd and you may know him from previous roles as ben in the hbo original his dark materials uh edward seymour in the show becoming elizabeth and more recently as willem blackwood in house of the dragon
2: Oh, nice.
0: Okay. Yeah,
1: so he's got some stuff going on right now. Very well. Good. Good. Uh, back outside at the armed pillbox, Gorn and some soldiers await uh, as another group marches in. And following this group, the Donnies make their way as well with the chieftain in front and followed by our four rebel friends. Uh, the other soldiers that the chief, uh, the other soldiers shoot him a glance as they approach and uh, Gore he compliments the chief that you know you look well for such a long journey mm. and the chief bluntly replies may the eye of the or may the eye stay open long enough to find some good within you. Yeah. So no love there. And then behind him some of the other Donnies they give a quick glance like oh is he really egging on the, the Imperial dudes? <laughs> but uh, Without further conversation, Gorn instructs the soldiers, let them pass. And the chief, he kind of raises his stick up and leads on like all triumphant. Yes. So he begins to move off to his destination and our four rebels fall in step behind and escort them forward. Uh, Our chieftain is played by Scottish actor David Heyman. He's been around quite a while Mm
0: -hmm.
1: uh, with roles in such as Pavel in The Boy in the Striped Pajamas. Uh played Malcolm in Sid and Nancy. Oh okay. And he also played Lennox in the 2015 adaptation of Macbeth.
2: Oh crazy. So yeah, yeah I've seen I've seen him before in
1: a few things. Yeah, he's Car- been around quite a while. Yeah. Elsewhere, uh Vel is using an ocular device to scan for soldiers on top of the parapet. And I'm pretty sure this particular unit is a repurposed Bell and Howell video camera. Yeah. Nice, nice, it's nice. Got the same lines and the same style lens, but uh it does have the same lens, yeah.
2: They yeah. just sort of turn sideways.
1: Yeah. That's great. But uh Vel, she tells Sin to get ready and she hears two more uh meteors coming. Back at the temple, uh our four rebels, they stand watch with the other imperial soldiers, and uh the pilgrims begin to surround their sacred site. Two more meteors streak by overhead and uh as they do, across the reservoir, Val and Sinta, they grab their torpedo-like tube and move out. Back at the temple, another meteor shoots across, and Nemec turns to Cassian and tells him, you were right, I'm not tired at all. He <laughs> gives them a little smile. And... But then Dameron, he barks at them, you know, tighten up. Yeah. And uh, just as that happens, Gorn, he tells squads one, two, and four, you're going to remain here at the temple all night, so get comfortable. And then he motions to uh, Squad Three, which is our rebels, and uh, says, You stand by as you'll be joining the return escort for the Commandant and his family. Perfect. He turns to address all the troops. And he's speaking at this point like the Aldonis aren't even there. And he's like, If you don't bother them, they won't bother you. Mm-hmm. And with that, he instructs the rebels to march up further and motions to a spot on the hill saying, Wait here. And again, I wish Wes was here to weigh in on the rifle position. Yeah. Because they're like pointing every which way at this point. <laughs> yeah, they
2: are. I think this is actually the scene where when they when they stop marching, they bang, they bang barrels here.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh underwater, we get to see a silhouette of Val and Cinta as they uh shoot across. And we get to see like meteors streaking across above them too. Yeah, it's so pretty it cool. Provides uh, quite the nice visual so and now and, we
2: we have like basically this is one of the tried and true ways of getting into an Imperial facility
0: yeah.
2: uh Jedi Fallen Order the Obi-Wan series um I think Starkiller might might have done it too um you know and and now Val Cinta uh the Imperials have to stop building near water so much <laughs>
1: it's too good a cover but uh, as they progress through, we get to see what might be formerly submerged or like former El structures. Yeah, that have been like submerged and lost to the lake.
2: Right, because they mentioned they dammed this up.
1: Yeah. So who knows what they might have been. Um, inside the commandant's quarters, though, Lieutenant Gorn enters with a fur pelt asking, are you guys ready? And J hold remarks, you know, we've been trading goat hides with them for a three year lease on the land. And if they didn't smell so badly, it would almost be amusing. Um, gesturing to his wife and son, he's like, get ready. And he goes on to tell Pettigar that uh, the Donnies have a rough appetite for fragrance, but Pettigar, he replies, you know, I've already been warned. So again, with that smell of the locals thing.
2: Right. Exactly. Yeah. And just the, the, the despicable nature yeah, the, uh, the of the imperial brass.
1: Yeah, and it it gets worse too because as he, as J. Hole goes on, he says, uh "After a bit of ceremonial nonsense, we can tuck into a fine table." And he, under his breath, he mutters, "Above the stench."
2: Right. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And pettigar as he's en- exiting there, he gives the uh, the goat hide a to sniff too, and follows him out the door, falling in step. Outside, Tamarin checks his earpiece and Skeen questions, you know, has she checked in yet? And Cassie and he asks, Is there a problem? But Tamarin assures him she'll be there. And on the parapet, we see three soldiers running. And uh Corporal Kimsey, he leans out and he's like, Uh, it's the wrong time to be uh screwing up.
0: <laughs>
1: and uh, one of the running soldiers tells him they were supposed to call us, and he's like when will you guys learn? Right. The soldier calls back. We were waiting. And Kimsey, he starts chirping more and mocking them and, you know, mocking their answer. Right. Uh, but the troops continue to run on. And uh, with the last one passed, uh, he gives one more. Don't let Gorn catch you. <laughs> and then he returns inside the communications bunker. And with the dam now silent, Cinta and Val, they make their way up on top. Meanwhile, Gorn leads the entourage down towards the uh, temple and they stop as Commandant Beezus eyes up the uh, four rebels. He's only there for a moment briefly questioning if they're from Alkenzi and Gorn confirms this. So he studies them a moment longer and turns his gaze down towards the chieftain. He then tells Gorn, you do the talking with the Donnies and they continue turn you down the hill.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, he doesn't really want to l- do his own dirty work.
1: No, so he needs Gorn to speak because it's like he doesn't even know the language. Mm. But that'll come up here in a second too, right? Um, back on the parapet, though, uh, Val and Sinta quickly ditch their aquatic gear and prepare for the next step. Okay, this is the part that drove me over the bend.
2: Okay. No zippers in Star Wars. They, they completely, both of them, unzipped scuba suits. They did. And then, and then unzipped their boots and, uh, and, and get, you know... I, I don't know why that bothers me so much, but there's like, there's one rule. There's actually two rules and they actually blew the other rule <laughs> in terms of costuming in, uh, in like episode two, when we can see, um,
0: underwear. Under sole,
2: yeah. Uh, a bra <laughs> through a top. I can't remember the character's name anymore. It's been so long since that's we've Bix been coming. back on, that's right. Bix. And, uh, since we were back on Ferrix, but so now we broke the, the, the two sort of like george lucas's rules on on how star wars should be sort of aesthetic so um do 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 any of do any of those rules count anymore i guess what i'm getting at do our future generations of star wars people no longer need to adhere to that and therefore and it's a small thing it's a small thing but when you when you hear about it and you start to look and you go wow they've they've crafted uh 11 films and I guess this is the third TV show um and they did 99.4 TV, TV show they did 99.99% of that without underwear and zippers yeah and I what and and so and and we talked about in the last one too how they they got rid of the snap cuts in Obi-Wan uh or sort of the uh, the the transitions they use them very sparingly and and are we steering away um and this might be something to explore in the in the group or if you guys at home have any have any thoughts at all are we steering away from the language uh, of star wars at all and and if we are um does it bother anybody else uh not that i didn't enjoy this not that uh it's it's a minor thing and and i don't think it's i'm not going to pick pick the thread and run with it and and uh but it's 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 sort of it's sort of a big deal to me in terms of the uh if if we have a set of rules and and therefore a set of sort of a visual language that we use as a basis for this which george lucas set down and my question to to you and to the fans of, of our show is um have we canonized the ability to use original uh storytelling language whenever we want and is that going to do a a disservice to star wars uh moving forward or is it is it just a free for all and we just get what we get and we enjoy it uh having said which i really enjoyed the whole episode (laughs) as a whole so
1: well there you go um yeah i think it's going to be up to the creators going forward like what they want to do like right. how faithful to the original stuff they want to be and how much they want to break away from it. But I guess that's going to happen as they kind of like, you know, give them well, more leeway.
2: That's true. And we're, and we are spreading, we're, we're going wide, wide, wide a field, if you will, you know, like, yeah, uh,
1: it's no uh, longer just, you know, Filoni and uh, Favreau. Right. That's right.
2: And you, and I wonder if there's a, you know, if, if the story group, um, you know, like so, like uh, in the Marvel universe, we have like the the story group uh, for the comics, which uh, their editing teams are usually pretty tight knit. And then you have the story group, certainly for the the MCU, and 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 they they talk to each other and cross over and try to help each other meld it in. But do we do we think that there's a, a big, uh, you know, the cinematic Star Wars? Is there a story group that's involved with that the same way it's involved with the comics and like? I, I, would I get hope the, so I get the feeling like uh, you know, I'm all over Pablo Hidalgo's Twitter, but I get the feeling that Dave and John might be, you know the the sort of spiritual successors to George Lucas and what does that mean to a a, a head of a story group? Yeah, uh, I'm going off on a tangent. let's let's get back to yeah. the heist <laughs>
1: oh, good. So uh, again, we're gonna cut back and in the valley. The chieftain tells Gorn and company, You know, you may enter the temple, and he wishes peace to those who come in peace. And concerned now, Nemec remarks, Where is she? She's late. And they still haven't heard from Vel, but uh, up on the dam, she's busy activating a piece of equipment, and she attaches it to a junction box just outside the comms bunker. And completely unaware, Kimsey, he doesn't see anything as she's running down towards uh, Cinta. And for a second, she kind of leans over the rail because it's fairly steep there. Yeah. And uh, Cinta's like, you know, get down. But uh, she takes position there. And down below, uh, we get the first part of the ceremony here as Leonard, he hands to the commandant the goat hide and he passes it to the chief. The chief accepts it, passes it off. And for some reason, She passes him one, and uh, then uh, he gives it back to the Commandant. (laughs) I thought they were like bargaining for leases, but I guess it's like a ceremonial passing. We'll give you one, you give us one.
2: Yes, yeah, definitely.
1: Yeah, but uh, the Commandant, he passes the new one back to Leonard, and with that, their goat hide trading ceremony is uh, complete, (laughs) and they only have a bit more to get through above though Cinta, she's hooking on some lines <laughs> and we get a little bit of uh, anxiety I guess on hmm. uh, Val's face she's not really I guess she's second-guessing at this point right yeah and uh, we hear over the comms you know echo one echo one what are you doing and Sinta kind of looks at her and grounds her and uh, in something I don't know if they really should have done this but all four of them kind of like stare up right at her position it's like you wouldn't want to give her away but
2: <laughs> no it's yeah it's very true uh, but yeah uh, I, I think there's a lot on her plate here uh and despite the fact that you know everyone's listening to her and she seems like a battle-hardened sort of you know it, you begin to see like how how often has she done this yeah. <laughs> You know this this could be a, a couple of these people could be their first sort of crack at,
1: at something this oh, big for sure absolutely Yeah. Okay. but uh, at the same time like this is the literal point of no return
2: right absolutely
1: like as soon as she says it it's go time which she does um yeah where am i at here there it is uh Vela answers, you know, are you guys on point? And they confirm that they are. And Tamarin asks, are we a go? And she hesitates again. Mm -hmm. But Cinta snaps her out of it. And uh, she finally looks up and like, go, we're a go. So Cassian looking downwards towards the ceremony as it continues. The chieftain, he says to Gorn, tell J-Hold... That their ghosts have Strong hands and long memories mm-hmm. And Here's the weird part because Gorn Doesn't repeat it no, Instead no. he tells Bihaz The chieftain said may the eye find The good in all of us And the chieftain looks at Gorn like I get the impression he knows what he just said
2: Yeah yeah like there's some like, That's not thing. what I
1: told you to say
2: Right he's speaking but, a little bit uh, of Calm in there Yeah, Galactic basic
1: So, uh, J-Hold, he tells Gorn, you know, tell them we'll give them the gift of our absence and be on our way. (laughs) And with that, the chieftain, he eyes the commandant and kind of gives him a mildly contemptuous look. But uh, above, Vel and Cinta, they strap on their packs just as another meteor flies overhead. And with that distraction, both of them dive over the rail and descend down into the uh, shadowy alcove.
2: Mission Impossible style.
1: Yeah. With the ceremonial exchange finished, Jay hold and company began to walk back up to the dam, and Gorn tells Tamarin and company, fall in, which they do. So uh, this part here further says to me, you know, just how much hate there is there. Mm-hmm. Uh, because some of the pilgrims are admiring this brand new goat hide, but the chief, he grabs it and strolls down towards the bonfire and fires it in.
2: That's right. Yeah.
1: It's like, to hell with your offer
2: that's right utter disrespect yeah he'll just he's just humoring them I mean it, it seemed that it's going both ways they're both yeah. sort of humoring each other um you know you, you get the impression that this is a backwater sort of outpost they might be wanting to do something better with it um certainly the Alcanzia Air Base is a little larger animal we don't get to see that much but um you know it's this is this is a weird tactic uh for them to and colonize where it, like we've, we've certainly seen the empire just, just completely wipe out civilizations. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, that they're trying to, uh, like they said, trying to procure some sort of labor for some sort of big uh, build in the future. Yeah.
1: Now, did they tell us before that, like the significance of Eldani, was it just strategic position or was there resources yeah, they needed? She said something
2: about it being, um close enough uh far enough away from everything that you know nobody really took notice of it but close enough to everything that it was a perfect uh transition sort of hub you know it's that it's in that swing position of of worlds in the
1: galaxy. Yeah. So our four rebel troops, they uh they fall in step and march up the hill and uh they're all making their way up and there's a sentry and Gorn he kind of rushes ahead. And uh, tells this sentry, you know, take point and lead your men down the road. There's to be no one up here without my permission. Mm-hmm. And inside a guard, he's kind of like slacking off, sitting by the door. And he jumps up to attention as the group enters.
0: <laughs> and the
1: commandant, he's just kind of blabbering on and tells the colonel, you know, it'll be easy going forward without the exchange of skins. And he writes it off as no big loss citing that there's not much Eldani civilization has contributed worth forgetting in the past. Right. And uh, like the plan said, last man in Clem hits the door lock. So it's about to kick off. Yes, sir. Completely oblivious to what's about to happen. The commandant continues to move forward, but uh, Tamarin, he takes aim with the guard at the door and, you know, orders him on the ground And J hold starts barking, you know, what's What is the meaning of this? But Skeen and the rest instruct them all get down. And as Nemec moves into position, uh, Colonel Pettigar, he pulls a pistol on him and tells him stop. Mm -hmm. And then he's like, let the boy go. But, uh, pleading Robota, she calls out to J hold, you know, what's going on. And again, he gets a little bit more forceful, Let the boy go and uh, Cassian from behind him says nobody has to die here right but uh, as that happens a shot rings out and by reaction Pettigar fires and misses uh, Nemec but we see that it's Sinta who has just shot uh, the Colonel and Sinta and Val step out of the shadows outside though we see Gorn who's kind of got an ear cocked listening and when the sentry's like, is everything good? He's like, yep, all good. <laughs> Back inside, though, J-Hole, he still thinks he's in control. And uh, he tells Tamarin, you know, you'll never get away with this. But he catches a backhand for his comments. So kind of gets a taste of his own medicine that he was going to give the kid earlier. Uh, the elevator doors, they open up and Clem, he goes in and clears it. But uh, back outside, the chieftain, he's throwing fuel on the fire within the temple. And uh, we're cutting back and forth really quick now. Yeah. Uh, and he shoves the commandant into the elevator, and Vel tells him, do everything they say. When he asks what they want, she tells him, we'll take them, or you will take us to the payroll vault. And he blurts out, that's insane. But she coldly tells him, or we'll die together. Mm-hmm. He tries to tell him, you know, it won't work. The code comes from remotely, comes in remotely from Alkenzie. And uh, the rebels, you know, they're like, we already know how it works. We know we need your handprint to trigger it. And uh, maybe you'd prefer we just take the hand instead. And uh, in a truly hard ass display, she tells him, one path, one choice. We win or everyone dies.
2: Yeah. Big time. Yeah. So, The shades of sort of Rogue One But much grimmer Yeah, (laughs) You know like
1: Yeah and as uh, The door of the elevator closes uh, Robota she begs one more time Just do what they ask Up on the parapet though We see that device that Valid planted earlier And it's gone from uh, Blinking to solid lights Implying Mm -hmm. that some sort of signal block has gone in And inside the comms bunker, Kimsey, he's, you know, trying unsuccessfully to access the comms. And we shift down to the viewing room where two waiting attendants have trays of drinks and whatnot prepared. And as the door opens, they're like ready to serve, but instead they're met with rifles. And uh, put it down. Put it down. (laughs) In comes the commandant at gunpoint flanked by Clem and Terraman. And he quickly secures the two attendants. while Clem continues on into the control room. And they have no idea either, but they soon realize, you know, they're at gunpoint. So uh, he orders them away from the controls and outside Gorn. He checks his wrist chrono. I got to get out of that. Yes. Can't just say watch. Nope. But, uh, he glances up at the control tower and uh, back inside the basement level. Vel she's ushering the other hostages by gunpoint into the le- elevator as well and in the comms bunker kimsey he's still trying to get something to work but no effect and uh, out on the valley floor the pilgrims they start to chant and celebrate so their portion of the festival is really kicking in uh back in the control room nemic gives one last rundown of the uh, control panel to cinta and bell tells j hold if you fail to cooperate your family will die If you stall us or slow us down, your family will die. And he scoffs and says, you'll kill us all anyway, right? But uh, she shuts him down saying, uh, because that's what you would do, right? No, if we get what we came for, everyone walks away. Mm -hmm. But if we go down, you're right there with us. And with that, they load some hostages in, the commandant back in the elevator. And Vel, she puts her hand on Sinta's. And she looks at her and says, Tell me you'll be all right. And you know, Cinta tells her, I'll be fine. But they linger in each other's stare a moment before Cinta finally says, Go right. So, if we needed more confirmation, there it is. There it is. But uh, out on the parapet, Kimsey he calls down to another trooper about the comms and he says, The line to Alkenzie's still working. But uh, it's probably just a result of the eye. And seeing as this thing happens like every three years or so,
2: mm-hmm.
1: you'd think it would have happened three years prior, right? Yeah, that's right. But <laughs> maybe the corporal's newish. Yeah. Below the elevator doors open and Vel sends Clement first, which I think is kind of like, you know, he's the uh, expendable one, send him that's first. Right.
2: So there was a thing here I noticed too. So she says his name, Clem Clem, you go first. She says the name yeah. right in front of everybody. I was like, wait, that's like heist 101 no no. And then a few seconds from now, Terramin like says Val's name. And then yep. it occurred to me, those like Terriman's not that guy's name, and Nemic's yeah. not that kid's name, and Val's not her name. The first thing that Lucian does is tell Cassian to pick a name. Yeah. So that it occurred to me then that the names it's just like mr pink and mr uh mr yeah. purple <laughs> um they they can openly say those names because they're not they're all pseudonyms so we don't yeah. actually know these characters at all
1: yeah but uh as they continue down the corridor, making their way towards the depot inside we find some depot guards that are sitting around the table playing what looks like a variation on dominoes mm. uh the descriptive audio calls it cards but i i don't know I think it's yeah. more domino like yeah it's uh they
2: seem to have more uh like the guards on, on the uh in the you can hear them talking about hexes and uh two hexes yeah. and one hex, and they're definitely more hexagonal shaped like a tie fighter wing yeah Than than a, a sabacc card which is like yes fewer sides might yeah. be some kind of duration de- yeah. derivation
1: there's got to be more than one game in the galaxy yeah heck yeah it's a, yeah yeah <laughs> but uh the male rebels escort the commandant into the depot and vel comes in hidden behind them and tamarin he barks that this is commandant inspection and orders the men to line up and as soon as they're in line the rifles go up and the rebels move into position and j hold now he kind of beckons the men cooperate before vel shoves him forward towards the vault Mm -hmm. And uh, Skeen threateningly Asks the hostages If anyone doesn't want to hustle for the next 10 minutes Raise your hand Yeah. So he's not playing Cassian rushes Aboard the freighter and starts to power it up And Nemec he starts adjusting His navigation device Then outside we see uh, The Donnies they're continuing to celebrate And again We cut back in and Tamron Forces Jay holds hand onto this biosensor. And with that, the gates to the vault open. And he's uh, still trying to convince him, you know, it doesn't work. You need a code from Kenzie to get the straps off. But uh, Gorn rushes in, or not Gorn, Tamarin rushes in, and he puts two little explosive devices on uh, two different panels. Mm-hmm. And they blow up. And all of a sudden, the straps all release. So boom, boom, boom. credits are ready. Uh, there is a little bit of Orbesh on the screen where Nemec is connecting. Uh, it's nothing earth shattering. Hmm. It's just uh reg and then a call number name biometric ID reg. Oh, cool. So maybe he's bypassing some sort of biometric scanner. I don't know. <laughs> With the credits now free skeen He screams at the hostages get loading And Nemec radios up to Sinta That they've taken the vault But somehow Corporal Kimsey Has intercepted the transmission Right. So he leans over and he kind of Fiddles with the signal a bit to get more clearer And he overhears them Talking how Alkenzi will be calling Soon and he knows now Something is terribly wrong outside the pilgrims continue their celebration with chants and songs and inside the captive soldiers continue to load credits onto the freighter using repulsor trolleys. Uh, even the commandant is forced at this point to start loading and, uh, you kind of see him struggling a little bit, but, uh, up in the control tower, uh, Alkenzi radios across that they, they know there's been a vault breach and they want a status report, but, uh, Cinta instead, she just kind of turns the radio off and then in a sequence begins to shut all the lights to the base off. Mm-hmm. And as the lights go dark in one of the service tunnels, Lieutenant Gorn makes his way towards the vault and uh, switches on a flashlight and continues. And up on the parapet, we find Corporal Kinsey has, uh, assembled a small squad of troops and they're <laughs> running across and. The only confident guy
2: in the empire.
1: (laughs) (laughs) But they're like, where are we going? And he's like, we're going to the vault. And they're like, but we'll miss the eye. So, you know, you know where their priorities are. Right, right. Get moving. Yeah. But uh, back down in the vault, the rebels continue to hustle these soldiers to load it faster. And uh, J hold is visibly not doing well. But, uh, Back outside, the pilgrims, they're, you know, chanting louder and louder as the chief raises his ceremonial stick up. Uh, inside, Val calls for a time check, and Nemec answers, 5-9. And I don't know if this is a mistake here, but Nemec is holding up one of those credit tubes, like, single-handed. <laughs>
2: Maybe. It's,
1: it's kind of strange, as the rest of them, meaning you know, when they need two soldiers to kind of sling them around.
2: Right, right, and right.
1: Nemec just, you know, pawing one of them.
2: Maybe they have different uh, uh,
1: currencies, different weights, like nickels and dimes. Maybe, maybe lighter metal or something. Hmm. Back outside, though, two pilgrims carry a giant snuffer and place it over the fire, dousing its light. Uh, We catch up then with uh, Corporal Kinsey as he's rushing down a stairwell. And then we cut again outside and the Aldani people turn away from their extinguished fire and they look towards the sky and suddenly it starts to glow bright and then a flurry of meteors come flying over and this was like yeah really one of those spectacular visuals
2: yeah it was it was yeah I wasn't expecting it like it was really really well done yeah uh, especially I have quite a, a nice big TV so um yeah it, it was really one of the most visually striking things in Star Wars I've seen in a long time and like wholly original uh, yeah the same you know what i mean like so when you when you've done this much uh this many hours of 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 stuff and we've been to a a desert planet 45 times it's it's super refreshing uh, yeah to have something this original and this uh sort of visually striking
1: yeah inside the soldiers continue to load up as gorn enters the room and J he turns around recognizing his voice and he's shocked to see that he's part of this. And he approaches, like he stops what he's doing and he approaches Gorn and he tells him you'll hang for this. But Gorn says seven years of serving you. I deserve worse for that. Yeah. That's a great line. Yeah. Gorn, he looks up and asks, are we good to go? And Cassie and he tells him, you know, we are, but, uh, at the Al air command, we see pilots rushing towards their TIE fighters uh, across a catwalk, and they're suspended the same way they kind of were in uh, Last Jedi. Mm-hmm. So, kind of neat to see
2: that. The one but, pilot kind of Superman lands when they jump off the gantry, too.
1: Yeah. <laughs> in the background, there's a uh, Lambda-class shuttle sitting there. So, that was nice. a nice touch, too. Mm-hmm. And then uh, we get another great visual because when uh, the pilot jumps down onto the TIE fighter, it's backlit by the glowing of the eye.
2: Yeah, that's the and, one. Where uh,
1: does the full yeah. like
2: superhero landing with the hand up yeah. in the air and Miss Marvel landing, I guess. <laughs> yeah.
1: So uh, back in the vault, though, uh, one of the carts carrying credits topples over, and Gorn yells, "Just leave it!" And uh, just as he does so, a voice yells out, "What's going on here?" And they all stop and they look up and see Kimsey arriving on the gantry with his troops
0: mm-hmm.
1: and uh quick thinking here, Gorn he tells him this is a classified operation. you're not cleared to be here, but uh Kimsey he hesitates and he questions the commandant, and he doesn't respond, but Gorn looks over, and uh the commandant is now holding his left arm right and uh It appears he's in the middle of a heart attack. Yeah. But uh, Gorn Mm -hmm. looks to him to confirm, but he doesn't. So instead, uh, Gorn yells at him again, I'm giving you a direct order. And with that, uh, the commandant, he keels over and Kimsey then raises his blaster. But before he can shoot, Skeen strikes first and takes out one of the soldiers on the gantry. All hell breaks loose as the mm-hmm. troops on the gantry open fire and the rebels take cover. But Kimsey he takes aim and he shoots Gorn. And I think he catches him pretty close in the middle of the chest. Yeah. So uh outlook not good for him. No. But uh as he does that, Cassian returns fire and ends up planting one inside of uh Kimsey's chest, taking him out. And then with uh Nemec laying down some cover fire, Cassian moves and runs up into the flight deck, sits down in the pilot seat and ditches his rifle to try and get things going. But a soldier who was uh, helping them load has been hiding under the stairs and takes notice and he runs up after him and ends up putting uh, Cassian in a chokehold.
2: I got like uh, Indiana Jones vibes from that. Like, you know, he's always <laughs> just skin of his teeth kind of stuff. Like loved it. Yeah, actually
1: loved it yeah. a lot. Uh, back at air or Alkenzie air command the three tie fighters they uh lower into launch position and we cut back again and uh Skeen has laid down some fire and we get a great shot of this soldier getting thrown off from mm. uh, the shot so i don't know if that long rifle had more punch than the rest of them but
2: yeah it seemed uh i, c- I couldn't tell you exactly like that's where wes is excellent uh yes that, it seemed like um Uh, Dengar's long rifle. I might have to go back and uh, explore uh, from the second episode of the Pew Pew series that we did, but it 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 reminded me a lot of Dengar's long rifle, and I'd be surprised if it wasn't that rifle specifically.
1: The soldier goes flying off the platform, and Cassian he struggles to reach his blaster. Uh, Nemec he manages to land a shot when they roll, and it ends up killing the soldier. Vel and Skeen, they uh, they basically run after uh I missed a spot there. Uh Tamarin. He tells Skeen, you know, give me some cover fire. And as he goes out and breaks through, he ends up taking a shot and he falls. And then uh Skeen and Vel they end up making it onto the ship just in time. And Cassian he hits the button to close the door and they look out and see Tamarin's body kind of laying there in a hall, I think like in <laughs> yeah. the heat. Th- things have
2: gone right sideways and it wouldn't yeah. be a sort of a star Wars heist unless things went sideways. There's no yeah. way this was going to go perfectly. And uh, yeah. they do such a good job of building the tension. You know, when the, when they, when the natives turn the lights out on the, on the, uh, the, the ceremonial fire, when they put the dome over it, it, and all the lights get cut to the station, it's very symbolic of like, uh you know the, it's dark now The the, the uh yeah. dark the side of the is about now. yeah it's about to hit the rotary coolant device <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah it is kind of symbolic though his body kind of laying on all the spilled credits like mm. this is what they died for that's right yeah blaster fire continues uh to rain down as the loading doors close and nemec he sees a grim look on Skeen's face Elsewhere, the three TIE fighters, they come blasting out of their ground hangar, and then back at the ship, Nemec yells, you know, get this thing in the air. And Cassian, he engages the thrusters, and it's enough to knock down all the remaining troops inside the uh, the vault there. Oh, yeah, not only that. But, uh, yeah, the acceleration, oh. unfortunately, causes the three passengers to fly backwards, and a loose trolley ends up crushing Nemec against the other pilot credits.
2: Oh, Wes called it but, but but it was it was hard because uh because he made it <laughs> yeah he made it, it like almost it, there yeah it was and again it's the it's the money that kills him it's the job that kills him not the uh not the enemy
1: yeah it's it's that's that's tough for a poet <laughs> but uh, as the Rono freighter blasts out of the tunnel the pilgrims they kind of all jump back a little bit startled as it flies overhead, and back mm-hmm. in the control room, we see the hostages still sitting there and they get a great view of the ship leaving. Yes, but uh, frantically, Val and Skeen they work to free Nemec, and uh, Cassian calls out, I need a flight path, and uh, they tell him, you know, hold on. As Val grabs a meta and jams it into Nemec's chest, and once again, Cassian calls out, I need a heading
2: so i wonder if these med spikes or anything like that um in the in the high republic uh comics and and um uh some of the young adult novels and stuff they use these the jedi use these things called battle stims and they literally like psh, inject themselves in the chest or the thigh or whatever and it gives them like an adrenaline boost for a, you know yeah. it's a roger ramjet they'll take the proton pill to give me the strength of 20 atom bombs for a period of 20 (laughs) seconds um (laughs) i I wonder if it's something like that because he you know it reminded me of uh pulp fiction you know something like and he's going 90
1: uh yeah it definitely feels like an adrenaline shot right but uh as they fly on the tie fighters they're quickly approaching and, Vel and Skeen dragged Nemec onto the flight deck, and with his navigation device in hand, he tells Cassian to climb. And he's like, Are you crazy? Look at this. Are you looking out the window? And he's like, Just climb. Mm-hmm. And uh he does, and Cassian pulls back and they kind of stagger a little bit. And the TIE fighters are closing in and they're trying to lock on. But uh as they do, they start firing, and the shots go wide, and Nemec tells Cassian, you know, dive So this Clunky old freighter, you know, they put it Into a dive and uh, Small chunks of the meteorite are kind of cracking the Windshield, mm-hmm. but the TIE fighters are taking it worse and the first One gets a little Bit of an explosion going on And then the other two kind of bank around Him and the freighter It steers towards this little sliver In the eye right. and Ends up making it through into space but uh the second tie fighter ends up taking a meteor right in the wing causing it to tailspin and crash into the third just eliminating like their...
2: <laughs> just like the asteroid field the empire strikes back where right? one yep. fighter sort of careens into the other fighter or the trench run i gotta yep. say um they didn't they didn't skimp at all on the budget in this this stuff No, this felt as good or better than any of the movies um i was sort of worried about uh budget constraints in terms of this show being such a long haul and already having a second season greenlit and i know that there's somebody at a boardroom going okay well this episode can't cost that much and i because you know they do worry about that stuff in terms of yeah. making their money back uh, i'm not exactly sure how streaming revenue works yet but i've done a little bit of research but it uh, and 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 yes you are going to save some money doing you know three episodes of them uh shepherding goats and building a plan and looking at little tiny handmade models and stuff but they went all out on this and it's it's so beautiful i mean this is some of the coolest tie fighter stuff uh i mean we got a, a little a little rono like you know it's 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 basically a shuttle craft, a little transport craft yeah but it's this is one of the best scenes i've seen in star wars in a long time and I really hope um, that the other series uh take note of of this type of cinematic because if you yeah. dipped the Mandalorian and stuff like this, it'd be over. It'd just be the yeah. I mean, wow
1: <laughs> I think we're gonna get more of that with this next season of the Mandalorian just because mm-hmm. of the new ship, but that's right. yeah. uh let's see here back on the surface of the planet though uh cinta she just basically walks off under the cover of night and so, uh, did you notice that she was welling up with tears a little bit yeah so you know
2: i got the i kind of got the feeling she might have killed the hostages
1: i don't think so because they were still so. watching when the ship left right yeah, like they were bound and gagged. There was and nothing,
2: and she cuts later. But I, I just, I don't know. The the tears in her eyes aren't like maybe they're tears of like I'm left behind. Is it on purpose? But
1: it might be concern for Val's safety too, right? Yeah. Like at this point, she has no idea who's who like who made it out on that freighter. Yeah, and it's just, not like she can just rush back in and check.
2: She's the hardest one of the group, and they they go out of their way to make sure she's the first one that kills somebody. That she's the you know that um she's even skiing is like she's the badass she yeah her whole family was wiped out by stormtroopers and i gotta wonder did did she kill the hostages in that moment it's just a question i have and wonder yeah. if anybody in the audience feels the same way
1: maybe but then uh out on the valley floor we get this weird moment where both the aldani people and all the troopers are just kind of taken in the eye mm. and yeah it's like differences are set aside and they're all just taking it in. Right. And we get another great visual cinematic look at this thing. And I know Wes was questioning it and uh, some of his comments, but uh, again, seeing that thing, it's just kind of epic. Oh yeah. This is fantastic visuals. Yeah. And then back on the ship, uh, Skeen is taking care of a now unconscious uh, Nemec. And Vel asks, is he still with us? And he replies, yeah, disappointed. And Vel says, that's not fair. But Skeen, he says, you wanted bail on him. And Vel retorts, he's dying. But Skeen cuts her off saying, you know, you don't know that. And he tells Castian, there's a doctor built into a contingency plan near here. Mm -hmm. And uh, he continues to lay on the guilt trip. Like, you know, we're only where we are now, thanks to this kid.
2: Yeah, he's and, the whole reason uh, we're here.
1: Yeah. So, of course, Cassie and he's like, all right, where's the doctor? We're going there. Yeah, Cass makes the decision in the end. Yeah. So we get to this foggy planet and we find uh, Nemec on a table about to be operated on by this four-armed alien doctor. Mm-hmm. And then... Uh, like a cross
2: between, like, uh, Ochi of Bastoon and Maz Kanata.
1: <laughs> yeah, very much. Yeah. But... uh Fell. She's holding up like a fluid-filled IV bag, and outside, Cassian and Skeen are kind of sitting by some long-stem plants in front of the freighter. And uh, Skeen asks Cassian, you know, if he thinks Nemec'll make it. And Cassian says, well, you know, he could get lucky. And Skeen says, luck, it drives the whole damn galaxy, doesn't it? But Cassian he kind of remains silent here, and Skeen goes on to ask him, you know how many credits do you think we just got away with? And he doesn't answer again. And he says, figures, you know, 80 million, give or take. Mm-hmm. And then he revisits the previous conversation, citing that Clem wanted to win and walk away. Mm-hmm. And he puts the question to Cassian. Well, 40 million a piece. Don't tell me you haven't thought about it. And he goes on to tell him that I can't fly the freighter, but I got a place to hold up and we can both walk away. Rich. And finally Cassian answer him like, so no rebellion for you. But Skeen says, oh no, I'm a rebel, but it's me against everyone else. And then Cassian, you know, asks, where would that put him? And Skeen says, 40 million credits is enough for me to forget all about you. Right. And then uh, Cassian asks, you know, what about your brother in the orchard? And Skeen drops his bombshell. There is no brother. So Cassie and he postures for a moment, you know, should we just leave them here? And Skeen lays out his judgment of Cassie and, and he says, uh, you're not here to save anyone, but yourself. And I had him pegged the moment he came into camp. They're both born in the hole and all they know is climbing over someone else to get out mm-hmm. and Skeen He continues on to lay it out, telling them, you know, there's a moon eight parsecs away from here and nobody's home. We could catch our breath, split up the credits but before Skeen can get another word out Cassian draws and fires and uh Skeen, he slumps over and Cassian kind of takes a look around to make sure you know all is still calm
2: do so you think really... this? like at first I the first few viewings I was like Skeen's a scumbag he's yeah. willing to sell the whole farm but then you know watching it the scene where Nemec is 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 injured and he's stroking his cheek and holding his hand there do you think this is his his flat panic? Maybe. Okay. Or was that
1: all just a mask? Well, maybe. like See,
2: and I, I don't know whether the brother is, whether he means here the brother was never a thing. That story's not true. Or is it like I don't have a brother because he's dead?
1: Uh, I take it to mean that there was never a brother to begin with.
2: Yeah. This is very nuanced. And I'm not convinced that Cassian killed a bad guy here. Mm. <laughs> this is very, very nuanced um certainly there is no question about who shot first we can we can yeah put put that to
1: bed <laughs> Damn, he's quick on that draw
2: yeah absolutely and uh on on face value he's being a scumbag i just wonder you know and we we probably never get resolution because he's definitely dead um yeah. but i'm just wondering if this idea to split this uh uh haul and get and get out and win uh is based on uh the fact that his sort of maybe his personal interest in it uh being nemec's safety or um, as whatever kinship they developed over the last few months yeah. as, uh, is going out the window i gotta say too i didn't um once you're you know alla all the rest of star wars we've seen once you're on a table and there's a doctor with four arms and a headset doing surgery on you i didn't think for a second that nemec wasn't going to be fine
1: mm-hmm. They needed to take him to uh, the fixer on Tatooine. Right,
2: right, right. Well, that's and that's what this guy was in my head, kind of thing. Like I thought, yeah. okay. I mean, hell, like we've seen a lot of lightsaber wounds in the last episode go straight through God guts, and people just walking True. away from it.
1: Yeah. uh Alternate take on uh, whether or not Skeen is actually a bad guy. Mm. In the previous episode, Nemec did make a point of telling Cassian, you know he claims that he's not listening, but I think I'm getting through to him.
2: Right. And so, I mean, and this is it too, like with that manifesto and the kid writing and reading it all the time and, and yeah. living and breathing it, it's, you know, it's gotta be, it's gotta weigh on you. So I'm, yeah. I'm, you know, and again, we're not supposed to like Cass yet. He's no, he's a scumbag too.
1: Yeah. So, uh, we get to the terrible point here And unfortunately inside uh, Vel is helping the doctor Pull the sheet over Nemec And she thanks mm-hmm. him for trying But uh, his attempts were unsuccessful yeah. Cassian enters with his blaster up And the doctor's the first to notice And uh, he puts all four of his hands up And Vel tells the doctor It's not for you But Cassian says It's not what you think either And then he offers the doctor 30,000 credits for a ship he sees outside And Bell calls for skiing, but Cassian tells her he's dead. And uh, she then tells her that uh, he wanted to take the money and leave you here. But she doesn't believe him. She doesn't believe he would do that. And Cassian tells her, you know, you got to think on that. But uh, Mm Bell tells him, you know, you're a disgusting bastard. And Cassian says, I'm only taking my cut. I just want the price I was promised and i'm leaving you the freighter and all the rest of it my job is done and he advises her you know you shouldn't stick around either and from his pocket he pulls out the kyber and says here give this to your friend yeah he moves to leave but vel tells him wait and she picks up Nemec's manifesto and tells cassian he wanted him to have it and cassian's like i don't want it but vel says he insisted so reluctantly cassian takes the book and leaves
2: yeah, that's crazy moment. So you know, yeah, he's not going to hit hyperspace somewhere and not sit down and read it, especially yeah. the stuff about written about him, you know, or yeah. the idea of him. Uh, and I gotta, I wonder if if Cassian's going to sort of take credit uh, hmm. for you know, like nobody knew Nemec; he was just a idealistic kid i mean you know certainly um lucian may have recruited him as well or it may have been up to val to recruit you know all these other individuals but um certainly the and i i 100 agree with west i did the second that we started talking about it in the chat that that there's some sort of um part of the of the official statement of the rebellion here of of
1: is going if to come not from this
2: right if not the actual constitution that that uh Wes and I talked about um f- f- you know from the from the uh the role-playing games and the actual New Republic Constitution and I wonder if like how how much of a scumbag is cast yet um it's going to make its way to Rebel Command for sure um will it will it be <laughs> you know do you know what I mean like I don't even mean he goes, look what I wrote, but it could be just misconstrued, and therefore, yeah, like,
1: oh, I got this from Cassian, and he didn't correct them,
2: and therefore, he becomes so much more integral to the entire Rebel Alliance than even he could possibly realize. <laughs> passing yeah. on this uh, this manifesto.
1: Yeah, uh, we do have a postcard here regarding Nemec from Wes, so mm. uh, I'll cue that one up now. Perfect.
3: What can I say about this episode? Uh, Oh, Nemec, my boy, Nemec. I knew you weren't going to make it. And uh, wow, really sad to see him go, you know, but um, on the plus side, I think I called it last week when I said I think that uh, his manifesto was going to find its way into Cassian's hands. I didn't necessarily think it was going to be handed directly to him, but yet not surprising because, you know, this episode really developed the relationship a little bit more between we saw how crushed Nemec was last week when he learned that Cassian was just in it for the money. And then this week, you know, that whole um, discussion about, you know, when I can't sleep, I write, I wrote about you last night, not you specifically, but the use of mercenaries in an insurgency. So I really think, you know, when I when I had proposed that we might be seeing a, uh, a draft of the document that is uh, sort of the codification of the Rebel Alliance, I absolutely am doubling down on that. It may not be the Declaration of the, the New Republic, but it's certainly foundational towards what will become the New Republic. Now, getting back specifically to Nemec and his relationship with Cassian, like it's really hard at this point not to see Nemec as uh, you know the the one half of Cassian's conscience sitting on his shoulder.
1: yeah absolutely agree yeah now off uh camera two, wes he had mentioned to me another point that he would have liked to make that uh with nemec being one half of that conscience maybe Skeen represents the other side of that coin
2: hmm. yeah i mean that's certainly so. possible it, it, that that all and we might never get that answer to is
0: uh, no which is nice
2: not. to have things interpreted but um my my postulation that maybe Skeen necessarily wasn't the uh the bad guy wasn't rather an opportunist
1: yeah uh we got one more postcard here from wes about this particular scene so i'll cue that one up
3: i mean uh this big moment where uh, after the nemesis is tragically crushed between the credits, where uh, Doctor Quadpaws is is unable to save him, but Cassian, uh, there's there's a small moment. I think if you if you weren't really looking at it, you, it, it's a dismissible thing, but it's not. Cassian makes a point to take the Kyber off and and gives it to Vel and says, "Give it to your friend. Give this back to your friend." And that's hugely important because remember last week. I propose that there might be something between Bell and uh, Luthen, and I I still think that there's something to that. I also think that if Cassian didn't hand the Kyber back to Bell, Bell wasn't handing over the manifesto. I think she would have kept it for herself. She might have delivered it to Luthen uh, herself, but now it's it's in the hands of our protagonist. It is the, the little conscience on Cassian's shoulder, and I do think he's going to read it. And I, I do think this is going to be the catalyst for Cassian to rethink his life. And aptly so.
1: Yeah. So, uh, moving on here, we switch gears to uh, Coruscant and... We find uh, a whole bunch of people rushing through one of the hallways at the IBS building, and uh, Deidre is part of it as well. And in the conference room, Major Partagas tells everybody in the room, nobody's going home. Tell your families, tell your employees. Everyone here has to have all-star sector and planetary emergency retaliation plans ready to be presented to him by midnight. News of the heist has already reached them. In the Senate we find Mon Mothma presenting her bill to help the Gormans And uh, she's basically giving it to a largely empty Senate room But uh, she notices some of her colleagues are kind of like Getting a little bit antsy and Mm -hmm. getting up and leaving And she rushes and checks her own data pad And gives a look around and she's kind of uh, A mix between shocked and elated So she knows what's just gone down
2: Yeah I have to, I have to say, I know you guys went in on Gorman a little bit on, on the, uh, on the previous episode, uh, maybe even the second episode, uh, that I missed, uh, between the hurricane and whatever mild COVID I had or whatever it was. Um, but I, I got to double down on, on, on this event and, you know, we might even get it, uh, the actual event here. Uh, so I'm not sure I, I, I didn't, hear all of the episodes so i'm not sure exactly where you went into detail in terms of the planet but i it's a legends location of a of a massacre of civilians by tarkin and in rebels in the cartoon rebels in the third season uh and mothma mentions it to uh to uh Hera, uh syndulla uh, as as being the catalyst for her to leave the senate completely and uh completely part ways with the empire uh even superficially as a cover and uh commit 100% to the rebellion and i'm wondering you know since we've sort of dipped into it twice now uh if we're going to get that it is quite uh, possible right and and like wes and i had talked about in the chat um does that preclude uh the next big bad imperial um officer or 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 antagonist and um i had said i'm calling it now tarkin which um would be great to see but then west made a real uh, a very good logical leap saying that's probably krennic um i just thought that maybe tarkin would work better uh krennic certainly the uh, the Rogue one flavor and and uh and uh the character already built up a, a living character for sure. But Krennic being sort of like more of a a scientist in charge of that one project, he didn't fit for me to be like the, the next bad guy. And then Tarkin is that, that guy that is involved in the Gorman massacre and in, in legends. And I thought, what a, what better way to bring in another legacy character on that level. Uh, and uh, to, to really, uh, up the ante uh because the now this is what nemic this is what casting had said in the very opening scene be careful what you wish for because clearly they have their attention now yeah uh so i'm going to call tarkin and let's see where the uh, chips fall in the next six episodes
1: yeah and it wouldn't even be like it's fan service either because that would be a logical step right huge logical step and another
2: way to f- like flex that uh, that new tech that they've got
1: yeah uh, we cut across then to, uh, the gallery and we find Luthan and Clea showing a piece of jewelry to a client and citing, it has a phrase on it in an old language that nobody remembers. And the client remarks how that's kind of sad, but he says, no, no, it's, it can be quite liberating because it can mean whatever you want.
0: And, and the, then, uh,
2: he names the planet here that it's from, and I can't recall, um, what planet is from it's also another planet in rebel or sorry the clone wars um there's a jedi temple that they they go to uh oh. an old jedi temple on the planet that he mentions here uh, i missed that and, and uh so it's 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 neat that the the language can be uh anything that she wants it to uh yeah you know knowing how holy and and, and stuff like it's like yeah. that arist- aristocratic view of of art where any any meaning that it really should have is superficial compared to the meaning that the buyer has. We'll <laughs>
1: right. Yeah. But uh the other client that's in the gallery, he calls over and he's asking, "Do you have anything from Eldani?"
0: Mm-hmm. And it catches
1: Lou <laughs> off guard and uh he's like, "Uh I'll have to check in the back." And as he makes his way to the back, we hear the guy, "Oh, I was just kidding. There was a big heist." And uh luthan he's already is on his way to the back and once he's out of sight and out of uh earshot he kind of gives this really like uh a last episode he was all you know flustered and yes worried and this is like a laugh of relief yeah and he gives and a big
2: sigh it's excellent acting and excellent even better writing because um that's us um uh because of the level of tension in this whole episode, yeah, uh, I had dug into my my couch with my arms, you know? I dug into my legs with my hands and I didn't let up until uh, Lucien let me here. And that's what that whole scene's about. When he uh, expresses his relief and joy, that's when I get to, and we as the audience get to express our relief and joy because there was so much tension in this episode, it gave me a bit of a headache because I was just gritting my teeth. I was like, oh. <laughs> you yeah. know, you know, the whole way. And, uh, uh, excellent writing, excellent acting in terms of, of, uh, showing us our catharsis.
1: Yeah. yeah but, uh, as he sighs, we cut to black and, uh, we know that the heist was somewhat of a success. Mm-hmm. Um, we do have a postcard here from Wes about, uh, a couple questions. So I'm going to run that. Perfect.
3: At the end of it all, man, we still got some holes to fill in. Do I think, you know, we've spent more time with these characters than we spent with, uh, people like Tim and, uh, and Bix in the first couple of episodes. I feel like we know these characters a little bit more. So, I don't think we're done with uh, Vel and Sinta. Sinta, by the way, who just kind of walked off into the night in that Imperial uniform. Hard to say whether, uh, you know, did she ditch it on the way out? And is she just fading away with the locals? I don't know. But certainly Vel and Sinta as a couple are going to, you know, try to be reunited at some point. Um, but now we've we've got a conundrum because the, the credits... The credits are still sitting in the in the Rono freighter. Um, that Vel may or may not know how to fly, and Cassian has just uh, bought a ship from Doctor Quadpaws, uh, a ship that we haven't seen yet. So I'm very, you know me, you know me guys. I like technology and uh, stuff in Star Wars, so we will be very interested to see what kind of ship uh, that he gets away in. But where are we going from here? Oh, and what happened to Gorn? Where is Gorn? Do we think Gorn has been taken into custody by? Uh, what's left of the the garrison certainly uh it's questionable whether we'll see him again um i would like to i think he's a very interesting character but if we don't well he certainly served his purpose um, as he said to uh commandant uh jayhold you know serving under you i deserve worse so maybe a uh, sweet death is sort of the uh, the end for
2: him yeah i have to say um I'd have to say Gorn is, is, is dead. And I think yeah. uh, Tamron is dead too. And I think that in this, the weirdest way, this is the best possible cover for the rebels that they could get. Now it's a, it's a tragic outcome for sure, but the best possible outcome, because even the ISB who are seem to be beginning to take charge of the investigation are going to find that it was, current Imperials guys. and ex Imperials that were imp- Im- implicit in this. And I don't know that they're going to go beyond looking for an internal source. to This, this on, on the surface, it looks to be like, Hey, this was just, um,
1: guys on the inside looking guys to get- on the
2: inside, looking to get rich, you know, it's just a money thing. And I think, uh, oddly enough, Uh, Deirdre uh, and probably uh, our young friend uh, Karn, Um, Gorn and Karn are so close together, it drives me crazy, Um, are um, probably going to be the ones that are uh, looking for this connection to this, where the rest of the Empire will be like, shut up, it was an inside job, you're not going to find a rebel connection and i think that's where we're going to go with those two characters in in the the next little bit um certainly uh i think casting would head back to Ferex. maybe maybe not you know uh maybe not the smartest thing to do but no. with 200,000 credits maybe he thinks he can get bix out um, maybe or or what have you you know or certainly maybe just his mom uh uh he's got to know that she's got to be in some trouble they're they're looking for him uh i'd be surprised if he didn't head back to to and we revisit those characters um but he uh you know and then going back there would be easy, easy for lucene to find him um yeah he's not so good at hiding yet i don't think
1: no but uh Yeah, going forward, I honestly, I don't know where we're going to go because of the way he's left it here. Hmm. Um, Whether or not Cassian reads the manifesto in the very next episode and, you know, the light switches on, or is it going to be another drawn-out three-episode arc? Right. (laughs) Right. Wes had a couple predictions for us, though. Yeah.
3: Anyway, guys, um, we're, we're at the halfway point. We've got six more episodes to go. I don't know exactly where we're going from here. I know that uh, all the time jump stuff isn't really coming until uh, season two. So uh, we've got six more episodes to get back to some of those uh, those dangling threads that we've seen before, like the relationship between Cassian and Bix. We know uh, from the, the Hasbro releases recently, we've we've seen Bix. Uh, in an outfit in her action figure form that we haven't seen in the series yet, so presumably we're going back there, whether it's in some kind of memory. We got nothing from Cyril Carn this week. Uh, Cyril Carn, who uh, had a huge moment last week where, you know, of course he's uh, waiting to find out how uh, Uncle Harlow is going <laughs> to affect his immediate future, or not so future. Um, but yeah, and uh, Luther, uh, after having his monumental, like, stress out. Last week uh, seems to be in a better place this week as we close out the episode with him uh, laughing as he uh, has a major sigh of relief. So, will uh, Luthan and Vel uh, reunite as father and daughter? We shall have to wait and find out. Will Cassian uh, continue looking for his sister? I don't know. Um, But certainly those are the things that, that are on
1: my mind going forward absolutely yeah I was it's kind of about
2: cassie and sister <laughs> it's like, it's so a plot like, line
1: that just kind of got shoved to the side
2: yeah i wonder if bix is Cassie's sister
1: i hope not <laughs> just from the implications that they you know yeah, shared yeah, something shared a, bit, a while yeah. ago that's true but, uh there's a couple candid shots that were floating around this week on the internet based on uh this show mm. and uh you know it's kind of nice to see them having fun on set Love it, Star Wars coffee. Love it. Yep. But uh, as far as uh, slides and whatnot, that's what we got for this week.
2: Fantastic.
1: Um, we'll be back again next week and uh, trying to do it all again.
2: Yeah, I think West <laughs> um, West is, Wes is due back back to our our yep. normal or whatever normal is.
1: Yeah, he should be back next week. You killed um, it this week, though, buddy. Yeah, we still trying, <laughs> but uh, you know, don't forget to like and subscribe. Helps out a ton. Doesn't cost yeah. anything. Check out our and, Patreon, uh, which
2: only costs a little, tiny little bit. Yeah, and you could tell us what to do a show on, and we might even listen
1: to you. <laughs>
0: oh, we'll totally
1: listen.
2: Oh yeah, hundred percent.
1: But uh, we got one more here from Wes, and it's a and it's a goodbye from us. So uh, I'll let him take us out. Wicked. So see you next week, folks.
2: Bye, Galaxy.
3: Um, as always, guys, I hope you stick with us. Let us know what you think of what's going on. And, and what did you think of this week's episode? That's the eye. Oh, and by the way, the eye itself, was that a little anticlimactic for you guys? I mean, the, the, the eye thing, I, I know we got the, the look Now, I'm watching the episode on a phone this week, so it's a much different presentation, but that thing was just kind of teeny-weeny. All right, maybe it was a bit of plot armor. Maybe not. Anyway, guys, uh, from my undisclosed location here in Vacationland, my name is Wes, and for Fandom Power, I will catch you on the next one. Bye for now.